Hello and welcome to The Stack. This week we speak with Ben Spriggs, editor-in-chief of Elle Decoration. We also speak to Daphne Ezad, who besides being our lovely fashion director, also edits Regan, a delightful French title on all things countryside. And finally, I've paid a visit to the latest exhibition at the Ashmole Museum in Oxford, Tokyo, Art and Photography. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. To start the show, I've decided to feature one of the sunniest design titles out there, El Decoration, which besides its monthly issues have incredible special editions, such as El Decoration Country. To tell me more about the title and a little preview of their upcoming September issue, I spoke to their editor-in-chief, Ben Spriggs, here in studio at Midori House. El Decoration is very much about an emotional connection to the home, and that involves obviously design and interiors, but it's, it's, it's how it kind of, the, what's the context of where we live and how we react to it. How long have you been working uh, there, Ben? Um, I've been here for, it's, I've been there for about six years on this stint. I had a break before that and I did probably about three or four years prior to that as well. I had a bit of time at the Sunday Times on the Style magazine there as well. So yes, I've always had an affinity with El Decoration and I love, love the title. And correct me if I'm wrong, but of course, since the pandemic started last mm. year, very difficult times, even for uh, for our industry as well. But I feel the magazines like yours that deal with home, I think they became more important than ever. I became more of a consumer of those type of magazines for some reason. Absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of us have always had a connection to, you know, interiors in the home. But with the pandemic, with everyone having literally been forced to stay at home the whole time, everyone became so much more you know, connected to the home and what it represented, how it, how they felt about it. I think, you know, working from home, they were sat around their kitchen tables, looking at the kitchen going, oh, well, that's, I don't like that, or I want to change this. Or, and so I think people just started to look at the home in a completely different light. And I think that's continuing, obviously, returning to the office is not a, you know, a big thing, I don't think yet. So I think it's definitely something that's changed completely. And tell me about the extra editions of our decoration. Mm. I think they're such a nice complement to the main title. Mm. And there, there are quite a few of them I have in front of me. I bought yes. a little bit earlier in the month, Elle Decoration Country, which, I mean, magnificent houses there yes. as well. So it's good to drink a little bit as absolutely. well. Absolutely, absolutely. So the, the big thing about Elle Decoration, you know, the, the main magazine is very much focused on urban environments, urban living. So we've always, you know, I think about seven years ago, we wanted to kind of do another title that represented the same aesthetic but in more kind of rural coastal different locations around the world that weren't necessarily urban and therefore we decided to come up with this idea of our decoration country and it has very much the same values and the same kind of aesthetic in the homes that we feature in that but it, they're in a more kind of you know different location and I'm very curious about those things. I mean, Air Decoration, does it have other international editions as well, yes, right? So, Do you work closely together mm. with those other editors? How does it work, this kind of sharing content? Yeah, we do a little bit of sharing. So it's an amazing network. We The the brand is actually owned by Lagardère, which is a French-owned media brand, uh, media company, sorry. And 
we, I think at last count, I think it was 26 global editions. Wow. So it's it's really kind of diverse and really varied. And each of them are very different and they represent their local markets perfectly, which is it's interesting when you look at them because they are very different. We have an international conference once a year, usually during Salone in Milan. Obviously, that's been tricky this last couple of years. But we do have an ongoing dialogue between myself and the other editors-in-chief around the world. And... There is, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see what they're kind of seeing as trends, what they're kind of in their markets is current and um, happening within our market. What about, uh, I was asking you about, for example, L, is there any connection? Because I think they're quite mm. two very different titles as yeah. well. I'm, su- I'm sure you can read both, of course. Mm. But tell me, do you think... Yeah, very different. I think, you know, essentially, we always call L Decoration the style magazine for the home. So it, it, has its, it has its roots in the fashion heritage of the L brand. But we launched in the UK in 1989, so it's over 30 years old now. So in that time, we've very much developed our own identity away from the L brand. And now we have a, quite a different audience, quite a different demographic. But we still have that kind of, you know, that fashion sensibility and that style sensibility in the way we tackle home and how people react to it. And I'm going to ask a question. I think mm. I might know the answer, but uh, I believe the brand very much believes in print still. Because, mm. And I say this because you don't not only have the monthly title, but those extra titles that you don't mm. see that with other kind of design publications no, as well. Totally. It must be a lot of work as well, but I'm, I'm sure mm. there's a market for it. People want to read that. Yes, I think our decorations always had that thing that people, people collect it, people mm. kind of keep it, people refer back to it. You know, our digital editions are increasing in popularity. Our website is is becoming more and more kind of referred to. But um, but the print is very much the heart of the brand. Um, and so it's, yes, it's it's very key. You know, L Decoration is it's almost like a, you know, people use it as a kind of a description, you know, they use it as a... Um, as a way to kind of refer to an aesthetic, you know, it's something looks very old decoration. And so it's it's got such a kind of strong place in people's heart, I think. And and I think the covers are very appealing as well. I have the August uh, edition in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, the art special. Again, I love the design bits, mm. kind of the orange with yellow. I think it's quite uh, summery. Mm. And I have to say, I mean, it's an August edition, but it, it feels quite full, full of pages yes. as well. I think that's quite impressive, mm-hmm. I must add. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I think it's been interesting. You know, we've done well during the pandemic. I think as we were talking about, people are so into their home and doing projects. And so we've managed to maintain the pagination, we've managed to maintain the number of issues. So we've kept that kind of going throughout that period, which has been great. And yeah, the, the design is, is so key and it has to be kind of engaging. And it has to, we have, I have a great creative director who we work very closely on the covers and, and how it speaks to people. Ben, I wonder if you could give us a little preview of the September uh, edition. And, yes. and by the way, this for design, I think the mm. September edition is also quite important, yeah, right? Absolutely. Very much like the fashion kind of idea. September issue is big. It's that kind of, you know, you're coming out of the summer. Mm. Everyone's back to work, a bit more focused. It's it's a really important time of the year. And yeah, so September for us. So our theme is very much, it's kind of, it's time for calm. I think, again, we have a connection to what's going on in the wider world. And so I think there's this, still this idea of people are still a bit anxious coming out of the pandemic. You know, obviously in the UK, things are still slightly up in the air. So it's looking at, yes, OK, things may be opening up. You know, our social lives may be kind of reigniting, but home is still important. And this whole idea of people will still be having that renewed 
kind of refound love for the home and so and why it's so important. So we're doing that. We obviously will also focus on London Design Festival kind of coming up at the end of September. And yeah, lots of kind of talk about and, and new seasons products. And, and we've got a great shoot that's been done by Elisa Racino out in Italy. And that's all about curvy kind of very kind of furniture that gives you a hug, which is kind of, again, this positive feel. That was Ben Spriggs there from Elle Decoration. Their September issue is out next week. We head to France now. Always good talking to Monaco's fashion director, Daphne Azad, who also edits the incredibly beautiful Regain, a title dedicated to the countryside. Regain is celebrating three years with a very special issue, with the iconic Catherine Deneuve on the cover. Daphne explains to me why a cover with Deneuve made sense. We wanted to do something different for our third birthday. We were wondering who could we invite? What kind of cover could we do? Shall it only be an illustration? And uh, we asked Catherine Deneuve, just her, if she wanted to do our covers. Uh, Catherine Deneuve, normally in Regain, we never do any famous people. We only have farmers or vegetables or animals. But this time, Catherine Deneuve was, um, was special because she's very, we know she knows very well the nature. The, she's passionate about gardens. She, had, she has had lots of country house. And like she knows every single flower in Latin. And um, she has always been very interested by uh, the farmers, the agriculture world, and people who knows knows that Catherine Deneuve really respect that. And it's amazing. So I, I know, I, I read your editor's letter. I know you've you sent a few copies to her, you know, just to try it. And, you know, she replied and you, and you guys met for an interview. That was amazing. How is it to meet? Because she, she is an icon. And, and as you yeah. say, I think it makes sense for her girl because she has a close connection with the topics the magazine talks about. It's not just a random celebrity that you guys invited, you know? No, she's like our biggest star. She's a star. She she's our biggest star in France and, uh, and in the world probably. She's very well known. So we sent her actually, do you want to know the, the real story? She did an advertising for Le Bon Coin. Do you know this uh, Le Bon Coin? No, I don't actually. Uh, you know, it's a place where you buy everything online. You can buy a car, you can buy your house, you can buy a dog you can buy you know it's um it's like a multi kind of website like ebay or something yeah but you yeah exactly like yeah. ebay and you buy to you so you can sell whatever you want so she accepted for the 15th anniversary of le bon coin to act in this advertising it's a video because in real life she collect uh, chickens but now not real chickens like uh a drawing of a chicken, a pottery, a little object representing a chicken. So for fun in our office, we said, oh, why don't we ask for our third birthday to have Catherine Deneuve with a real chicken in her hand? So we said, oh, yes, that would be amazing. So we, we wrapped the few issues of Hogan. We sent her because everybody knows where she lives. And we sent her to her place in Paris. And... Um, few days later, her assistant called me and said, oh, Catherine has received, um, I mean, it was a little bit 
more difficult than that, but I summarize. She received, uh, Madame Deneuve received uh, your copies. She will have um, a subscription and she's happy to do the covers. So, oh my God, we couldn't, we thought, all right, now how, how lucky we were. So we set up a date and then she did it. I mean, it was, she couldn't go out of Paris. We, we wanted her to go out of Paris, but she couldn't, but she accepted to pose with some animals, but not with a chicken. She said, I would be happy to pose with a rabbit or a pig or um, hérisson. And uh, so we bring some ships from Wesson, a rabbit and uh, some little ducks because she wanted also ducks. But at the end, she only posed with the, the two ships that are called Coco and Kaline. So we managed to do three covers with two animals. It was like four minutes of shooting only, but then she gave a lot of time for the interview. That's fantastic. And, and, and often it's interesting you mention animals because that's always something you see in Regan. And, and there's one story, it's just because I always find this animal very cute. I think in French you call them marmotte. And what a wonderful kind of photo story as well. I, you know, I, I think even for people that like animals, I think they're so uh, essential for the magazine, right? Yes, it's a magazine uh, only focused about uh, countryside and uh, rurality, rurality and farming. But it's important for us to have a good mixture of vegetal, human and animals. And uh, we have had already a lot of animals doing the cover and we were saying, oh, what can we do next? And we say, why not a marmot? But marmot are very hard to, to get and to photograph. And They're adorable. So, yes, they are so... If Catherine Deneuve has refused to do the, the cover, we would have put the marmot. And there, we had a photographer who was in the Pyrenees area and she said, oh, I'm going to go and do some marmot. And she did very easily and she was, yeah. She, it's a beautiful story. Daphne, uh, what about the readers of Regal? I mean, is a lot of subscription based or, or is it sold in the kiosks all over Paris and France? It's sold in, in the kiosk and in the relay, you know, in the station and the airport, but also in some specific shop like vegetal, uh, little épicerie or some restaurants or some people who discover us even in the countryside and they say, oh, we want to sell Regain. And uh, we have more and more subscribers, especially uh, since uh, COVID, we have had, we have seen our numbers growing up a lot. And I'm sure those readers, I mean, I have a feeling that a lot of people in Paris, even city people, they would enjoy reading because it's almost I feel that when I read Regan, it's almost like a little escape as well. Sometimes you have your life in a small flat and you just want to think a little bit yes. about the countryside, you know? Yes, yes. Most of our readers, I have to say, are from the cities and there are readers who are missing um, nature and uh, country life. And lots of people are starting to move from the city to the country. So it's full of stories like that of neo-ruraux, that's how we call them now, like people from the city that has moved to the country. So we also have a strong population amount of readers that are buying Regain, but that already live in the country now. 
and have started a new life doing farming, uh, making their own vegetables, opening their own little restaurant, things like that. that we have a lot, probably uh, same in, in England. That was Daphne Ezard from Hega, and the new Hega is out now. And finally on the show, I've had to Oxford's Ashmole Museum to their new exhibition, Tokyo, Art and Photography. If you're a fan of all things Japan and Tokyo, it's a must-see. The exhibition explores Tokyo through the arts in a period of over 400 years. To tell me more about the highlights, I spoke to the curators of the exhibition, Dr. Lena Fritsch and Dr. Claire Pollard. I stayed there when I was 18. It was the first time I'd, I'd lived and, and worked away from home for a long period of time. And I went back as a student when I was studying Japanese. And then I've been back many different times as a curator and with my family. And every time I went, I experienced a different side of Tokyo, a, a different um, aspect of Tokyo. And, and that sort of some, somehow reflects how we've presented Tokyo in the exhibition. Artists represent Tokyo in a different way. Absolutely. What about you, Lena? So I actually lived in Osaka as a child. I went to Japanese kindergarten, so Japanese is my second language. And um, I fell in love with Tokyo as a teenager and decided that that's the city where I wanted to live. And so I moved to Tokyo uh, the first time when I was 19 and did an internship in a Japanese company. And then later on during my studies, I, I came back and studied in Japan for a year and then during my PhD went back again. So yeah, like Claire, I've, I've lived there many times and love the different many faces of, of Tokyo and uh, the diverse art scene. Talking about many faces, this is what this exhibition is about as well. It covers quite actually an extensive period, uh, you know, during the city, but, but I felt it feels very natural as well. It doesn't come across, oh my God, oh, we're coming from the 17th century to kind of pop art. It feels very natural the way you planned uh, this as well. Yes, it was quite a challenge to work out how to present 400 years of very, very diverse arts. And we obviously couldn't tell the whole story of Japanese art or the whole story of Japanese art in Tokyo even. So we've just tried to select beautiful, interesting, representative highlights, really. One of my highlights, I love the woodblocking uh, story. It, it's, just, it's just so beautiful and so interesting that our artists, even kind of in the more modern period, that are still doing this um, beautiful tradition as well. Yeah, so the, the way that tradition and new innovative contemporary ideas are linked is definitely a, a key theme in our, in our exhibition in terms of the artistic media and, and materials. Yeah. The Olympics play a quite a strong role as well. There's this, uh, I forgot the name of the work, but the one of the artists who was very critical of Tokyo 2020, but it, it's almost quite kind of funny, actually, uh, his work. So I think the Olympics is still there. There's the series of pictures uh, a little bit before the 1964 Games as well. So that's an important part here of the exhibition as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, the reason why we decided we planned the exhibition for, for this time was to be on at the same time as the, as the Tokyo Olympics and to, to really to take advantage of people's heightened interest in Japan. Yeah, it's, it's not maybe a main theme of the exhibition, but it is a really nice context and it's a great opportunity to celebrate uh, 400 years of art in Tokyo. Absolutely. One of my favorite works 
uh, I think I, I was showing you the this poster that um, in the modern pop era. What was the, that? I'm completely obsessed about that work of art. Uh, can you tell us? I'm not sure which one you mean, but we have a whole mm. wall of Tokyo pop works. So we call them Tokyo pop. It's they're all from um, the works on paper that we show on this wall are all from between 1966 and 1968, and they're very nicely show how artists were linking traditional popular culture imagery with American pop. And what I really love about this wall is that it still feels so fresh. They're using neon colors and it still looks very contemporary. And um, pop art was a wonderful way for Tokyo artists at the time to kind of connect with the world. So there were artists like Yoko Tadanori, whose works were shown at MoMA very early on and who was commissioned in 1968 uh, to create um, a poster for a survey poster exhibition at MoMA. And then there are works by Shinohara Ushio and works by Tanami Keiichi, so also artists who went to New York and were inspired by American art. And so, yeah, Tokyo pop art was, a, was something that linked Tokyo with other parts of the world. I think this exhibition do very well. I think especially, I mean, not only in the UK, but I think all over the world, the interest for Japan it's immense. I think not only because of the Olympics. I think it's been a trend. I, I don't know if you would agree with me. So I think this exhibition, I think, would be quite. Do, do you feel that interest for Japan in general, not necessarily only its art, have increased here in the UK, for example? I think so. It's very. It's been voted the most popular travel mm. destination. I think quite recently. So yes, I think there is a growing interest in, in all sorts of different parts of its, its contemporary culture as well. Do you have a favorite piece of work? I mean, I know this is such a hard question, but do you have one that speaks to your heart? Perhaps one of each that you can tell us. A little preview, perhaps, of the exhibition as well. I'm particularly excited about uh, the works by Nina Gawamika that we have in the exhibition because I think her work is not as well known outside Japan. So she's a contemporary photographer who has been very active since the late 1990s and her work is also one of her photographs from her Utsurundesu series which is a series that she has been taking with a little Utsurundesu camera which is a compact camera, an analog camera. One of her works from that series is actually also our lead image on our poster image of two girls with pink hair, two twins, uh, Amiaya. And yeah, there's very strong, vibrant images that kind of represent the dynamic uh, vibe of Tokyo, I think. Good choice. What about you? <laughs> it's very hard. It's like choosing it between your children. <laughs> um, but I think one of the ones I particularly love is a diptych print of, of Japan's first skyscraper which um, was built in 1890 and had electric lights and it had Japan's first ever electric elevator. Um, and the wonderful thing about this, it was designed to show the progress of Japan at the time, but it's designed as a board game. So it actually has flaps that open up as you roll the dice and move up the print um, and it shows you the shops and the, the elevator inside. And remember, Tokyo Art and Photography is on until the 3rd of January 2022 at the Ashimolian Museum in Oxford. Well, that's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Nora Hall. And if you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fbandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time. You can always listen to the show and subscribe at monaco.com or on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Before we go, a little song for you. This is Catherine Deneuve and Malcolm McLaren with Paris, Paris. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time. It's goodbye from me. Barman dans le shaker, d'abord de l'élégance, un trait de sacré cœur et de doigts de douaneau, une piaf, quelques moineaux et Joséphine Baker. Mm-hmm.
Mettez trois notes de jazz dans un quartier latin, un menu sur l'ardoise, au fond d'un bar tabac.